Hello and welcome back to the Survivor at Home podcast, where we have some more bonus coverage of Survivor 32, Survivor Korong. Uh, we are, this is our second podcast, and today we will be covering episodes two, three, and four of Survivor Korong. So we are in full spoiler mode as the season has been out already, and the winner appeared on Winners at War. So if you're not wanting the spoilers, bounce out now. And uh, come back after you watch the whole season, because it's uh, it's on Paramount+. Plus. With me, I have my lovely co-host for this season of Survivor at Home, the podcast uh, with Korong, Melinda. Melinda, how are you? Hi, good. Yes, I'm excited to be back and chatting more Survivor, as always. And we have an amazing guest for all y'all today. One of my personal heroes played an idol on me once upon a time, uh, Mr. John M. John, how the heck are you? Woo, good to be here. It's real fun to, to come on the show. This feels like we got the squad back together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from from uh, season five. Yeah. Good times. Oh, that's, that's right. Some familiar faces indeed. Oh my goodness. So much trauma to parse through, but we, yeah, we'll get into the Survivor <laughs> at Home stuff at the end of the podcast. So for those who are interested in hearing about John's tale and uh, his latest run on Survivor at Home, that'll be at the end. John, uh, so... What, uh, what other TV are you watching in the Survivor offseason, uh, reality TV or otherwise? I think like a lot of people right now watching The Traders. So, you know, started off with Australia and then went UK, Canada, US, New Zealand, just hit, hitting them all up for the Canadians on Crave. It's been a real, real fun time. And there's been some fun Survivor players who, who have shown up on it. Amazing. So I have a question for you. I've watched the American season one, the Canadian season one. How is it to watch the UK and the Australian one without, I guess, being familiar with the the players? I mean, I think one of the good things about UK and Australia and New Zealand, most of the players aren't celebrities. So that's been really fun because it's just like real people kind of doing stuff where the American one especially is just like all celebrities now. And so everyone in New Zealand knows each other because it's just a small place and everyone seems to know each other through different ways. But in some of the like Australia, like not everyone knows each other already. So they have to learn what's lying and what isn't lying in someone's like demeanor. Interesting. I feel like New Zealand is the Manitoba of Oceania where it's just so small and everyone's just, you assume everyone knows everyone there. Yeah, no, I, I love the traders. I'm so invested in the American one right now. And I can't wait to tune in tonight to find out what happened next, because my goodness, these cliffhangers are wild. And yes, we have Crave. So for any Americans out there, we have Crave is our HBO Max. And so basically everything that appears on HBO Max, we get on, we get on Crave. Melinda, uh, so I never asked you this last week, but I'm curious, what are you, what else are you watching in this Survivor off season? So we do not watch other reality TV. My husband's not really like a TV guy, um, but a few things that we have on the go are um, Lessons in Chemistry. I think that one's on Apple TV. It was, so it's like a mini series based on a book that I loved. We're also watching the newer seasons of CSI. And I love it because it's like, all the guest stars are like from my like OG CSI Vegas days from like 20 years ago. So I love like seeing those characters come back. There's only two seasons of that available on Global. And then the other one is called Unstable. Have you guys heard of that one? It's Rob Lowe. I have heard of Rob Lowe. Okay. So he is sort of like an Elon Musk 
brilliant genius, but he's like lost of his creative edge because his wife passed away. But his real son is on the show. And I don't know if you know anything about Rob Lowe's real sons, but they like constantly troll him on social media all the time. So it's just really funny to watch their like dynamic. And it kind of reminds me of Schitt's Creek, the way that the father and the son are playing father and son. Anyway, so it's like a half hour comedy, but it's kind of heartfelt and very quirky and funny. Did Rob Lowe play Dr. McDreamy or is that someone else? Uh, that's someone else. But I'm not, I'm not a Grey's person. I'm not but... a Grey's person either. Yeah. Apple TV, is that a subscription-based subscription TV service? It or... is. Okay. I just always sign up when they offer you like a free promotion. I'm the free trial queen. So I, the only <laughs> subscription that we ever pay for is Spotify and everything else with my books and with shows. I just go to all the free trials that they offer you. Absolutely. I hear that. Oh, well, my, my Paramount Plus for watching Survivor, I am paying for it, but I, I signed up when it was the Black Friday sale. So I got a promo on that. So smart. Okay, she's a bargainer. Uh, I know I did have the free Apple TV th- three-month thing, and I just never watched it. So I, I never followed up to, to see anything more about it. But uh, I'm also watching The Challenge. I uh, highly recommend that. Love that one a lot. And uh, Michelle Fitzgerald, who is currently playing on Survivor Colorado, she she's on there. For those listening, uh, wanting some uh, reality TV fix, uh, check out some of those uh, recommendations. And uh, without further ado, let's get into this uh, episode in regards to season 32, episode 2, 3, and 4. So, all right, guys, broad thoughts on... Uh, this chunk of chunk of episodes. I have some thoughts, but I would love to hear just broad thoughts on this this chunk. So one thing I loved is that a lot of the challenges were quite close. So I feel like there was only one that was like a blowout. So I really like it when you don't really know who's going to win, even though it seems like Braun is always losing. <laughs> but I did like how it did seem like there was kind of like down to the wire the last seconds, because that's always more exciting. And it also feels kind of like more fair, like it could go any way, and that they did sort of pick the tribes to be somewhat equal. Yeah, and then we've had some good tribal councils, I feel like. I think they, for the most part, they were doing immunity slash reward, which for these shorter episodes are, are, are good because you get more time with the people outside. Like when, if you have a yeah. reward and an immunity challenge in a short episode, like you just don't have any time to, to see them at camp and actually like developing their social game. So that that's been a good part of this. But I think overall though, like the seasons that are like brains, bronze beauty, like that kind of like putting people in stereotypes, I think are always tough. Cause like you get kind of very extreme personalities put together. And so it makes for some like volatile tribes, especially at first when people don't know how to live with people who are similar to them or all stubborn or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Volatile is a great word. I feel like all three tribes are just sort of about to burst. And so I really, I really think the word volatile definitely sums up sums up all these tribes. One thing that I really have taken away is just knowing how the rest of the season is going to play out. We've had very little Aubrey, who's going to be a huge breakout character and star for the season, and very few scenes of Michelle, who goes on to win, win the whole season. I'm actually so excited because I love Aubrey, and I didn't know that she's going to become this like big player, so that's very exciting for me. It is exciting, and it's like, man, when does that pop off? Because 
uh, the audience has this huge turnaround on Michelle as a winner when, you know, the audience believes Michelle or sorry, Aubrey is the, the rightful winner of the season. But through four episodes, we don't really get a whole lot of Aubrey. We get her almost passing out at one point. But beyond that, I mean, like, who is who is this uh, nerdy girl with glasses in the on the brain tribe? I also think the sort of catch 22, I guess, is that when you have a tribe that is sort of a train wreck or the losing tribe, then they have this negative cycle where they lose and then you see more of them and you don't really like them. <laughs> and then and then they lose because they just can't keep it together. And so that's sort of what it feels like with Braun. So I am kind of excited that the next episode is going to be the merge because I want more time with a lot of these other characters on these teams that like beauty hasn't lost anything. Right. So there's some great characters on that tribe that haven't got a lot of screen time because they keep winning. So yeah, I think that's kind of been my overall of these three episodes, but there was very good TV, especially the middle episode. So number three, when the brains had to go to tribal council, like that was just one of my favorite episodes, like a good comeuppance and people like getting what is coming for them is just like so gleeful as an audience member. Oh, finally getting a chance to air all the like, Man, they they were they were about to burst even without going to a tribal. Like that was intense. Okay, so jumping into episode two, we come back after Darnell is voted out, and Alicia is thankful to be back at camp, and she's a bit nervous. She heard J- uh, Jason and Jenny talking about switching their votes, and it was a tie. Once, uh, which once again, I was very surprised, uh, and Jason just really hammering the point home that. Alicia is driving him nuts, which is sorry, sort of Alicia's storyline. Her whole arc on the season is how much Jason and Scott do not like her. Man, to be at one of her viewing parties, like her family and friends must hate these guys. They're so mean. Like, I agree with you guys uh, in last episode talking about it. Like, they're so mean and it's it's not needed. Like we've seen in the last three four seasons of the new era how some of the people who we found most annoying at the very start like really can turn it around and become i can think of at least three of them who became almost like people who we all thought should have won or got to basically the finals so you know if if marianne and emily and carolyn can all do it like i i think you know alicia could could have been better without these guys like just being jerks like honestly I agree. Yeah. And I think it's also the people that you're around, right? Like, unfortunately, she hasn't had someone like sort of come alongside her, but also like with the two guys, like no one's shutting them down. Yeah. I just, every time Jason refuses to use her name, like I find that really degrading. Agreed. And it's when you're playing a social strategy game, it's really tough to come to someone's defense because you don't want to put your own game in jeopardy in a game for a million dollars. So it is it is a bit tough, but it is a good life lesson for those of us on the couch when we do see someone maybe being mistreated that we just don't want to be a bystander and kind of complicit through our silence. Oh gosh, be a Caleb, right? Like, be a Caleb. Like, even if you don't stand up for that person in front of everybody, you can still come alongside them and like, like help them. Yeah. I was thinking Caleb in this season. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess Caleb and Ty do have a strong bond. But no, Caleb. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry. I meant be a Caleb, like a Canadian Caleb with our Emily, right? And like John was saying, like, she's one of those people that 
could have gone the first episode and then stuck around and like I don't think anyone still had those negative feelings about Emily by the end right so yeah definitely not like I think if if, yeah if Sydney hadn't have just kind of like pretended and and just nodded her head or Jennifer actually like could follow through with any kind of plan it it could have been so different like they could have actually controlled the game those three ladies because I think Sydney would have been on board anyway we'll, we'll we'll get to that later well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But on the topic of uh, Caleb and Ty, so start of day four, we have uh, Ty feeling like he's on the outs. Everyone is swimming in the in the water and he goes for his little idol hunt. This I found to be quite, at first I thought, okay, this is kind of like a very easy idol hunt, but there was just so many like, okay, you got to climb the tree. Now you got to open the scroll. Now you got to dig under the tree. Now you got to take the key from the box to this other location. Now you got to dig for the box. Now you got to, you know, it's like, it was a lot. There was so much to that. It was stressful because he already got caught. And also like the fact that he thought in his brain, I need to climb this tree. Like there's no way they would have designed it that way. Right. It was supposed to be like, here's the tool and whatever, but like nobody else could have done that. And then I was really stressed for him when he's climbing the tree and then oh, bleeding feet. And like, it was, oh, it was gross. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that paint? Like, what is that? There is like, no, that's, that's his blood. And he didn't even get it. Right. It's like, he got through a couple of the steps with his like, yeah. yeah. Imagine being the camera people though. Like you're just kind of standing there being like, okay, like I hope he doesn't fall, but like, I have to just stand here and not say anything. There must have been, like, some of them, like, you know, when you're rock climbing and there's, like, spotters ready? Like, I feel like they must have been, like, with their hands out, because that seemed like a risky move. But I do love the birth of the Caleb and Ty bromance. Like, they're, they just seem like they're from such different worlds. But I just love how they, even since the first episode where we talked about how Caleb kind of used some ways to describe Ty, but, like, just even now that, like, I think if you want to look at the beauty of the beauty tribe, like Ty really is the best of them. Like his, like even me when I'm like, oh, he's worried about like a bee and like the chicken's life, but I was moved, right? Like I don't care about that much about a chicken, but even how they were like sensitive to him, right? Like they don't care that they're killing a chicken. Was that this episode? I don't even know, but they care that Ty cares. And I just really love that. Like the girls and Caleb, especially like, I don't know. I just really thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I think I actually I I I thought the same, like the emotional beauty of the tribe, everyone but Nick. It's been really good to see. And um, if you're looking at social media at their Instagrams, like they're still for like like Ty and Caleb still have like a relationship and like see each other. And yeah, it's really cute. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I did face Facebook creep. I did Instagram creep Caleb and I did see that he had recently a post with Ty in it. I was like, yes, yes, I love that. No, so good, good callback. Well, and especially when, when how like Caleb's season ends so abruptly, like just, it just really shows you that how much they bond in that short amount of time. And I mean, we were talking about us being trauma bonded from our survivor at home like you imagine how much that experience like would have connected them as well just the short time that they were together and then especially how Caleb exits and I mean we say short we say short but like in the new era by the time Caleb goes you're already like over a third of the way through the season right so (laughs) it's just they have a definitely a lot more downtime to, to yes to bond and to get to know each other and 
just have a stronger connection and annoy each other you know it goes both ways then we move over to the brains tribe uh where we have liz the uh the the lovely liz and i i know the show maybe doesn't want us to like liz but i kind of like liz she's she's a bit of a like her and peter together are a bit you know i don't say holier than thou but they're definitely giving vibes that they're superior to those around them but there's something that i don't want to say it's charm but i just really like how she she tries to come at every situation using logic and i think that's a huge part of her downfall because you can't be fully logic based in a game with people but i can definitely appreciate that perspective and i wish i wish liz got a second shot somewhere down the road she doesn't but i i think she's great so liz we see that she's feeling we're happy we're feeling tight uh and then we cut to uh debbie (laughs) bragging about her immune system how she can drink the water with the microbes and you know she grew up around pigs and cows and all sorts of things like and i love how she's like i can analyze this just by looking at it (laughs) people listening do not do not take that advice like you cannot see viruses and microbes and like parasites like you can tell if water is really bad but you can't tell if it's good like it works off yeah yeah and then and then we have like peter is just sort of like licking his lips at the idea of dragging debbie to the end he's like i can't get rid of this woman like she's she's a hot mess i i need to bring her as far as i can and so sort of it's at this stage on the brain tribes where there's sort of a like a two two and two and it's basically a fight for liz and peter versus neil and aubrey to get to get joe and debbie but i like i wish we could see a bit more of the social dynamics play out because it just appears that either Peter and Liz's personalities are just so abrasive that Joe and Debbie didn't want to work with them. Or what the show kind of like leads us to believe is that maybe Debbie was a bit more assertive in connecting with Aubrey and Neil. But I, like, I wish we got a bit more reason as to why that happened. And it's obviously the 40 minute episodes. You can't just put it all in. But uh, very, very curious. I just, I absolutely adore debbie like she is a very intense and dynamic and i don't want to use the term abrasive but i feel like could be very annoying to people but i absolutely adore her like just how she is fully authentically herself and i think that's why like i loved carolyn so much like she just is not ashamed to be herself and she is so encouraging like she's the one when people are down she's the one who goes over to them and even her like hilarious cheerleading and i love how she is like fully in like I see a little bit of myself in her because it's like if you're gonna tell me that I'm on the brain tribe I'm gonna be like fully into that so when she's like go our gray matter or she's like we have the biggest frontal lobes like she's just fully invested in her like squad and I just I love that about her she brought up the frontal lobes like twice it's like she's really leaning into this brain brain idea which is what the producers want for sure but but yeah she's she's all in on the brain tribe I mean, she is like a chemist, Air Force pilot, instructor, bartender, so, server. So she's got a lot of skills, nuns. you know, like she thinks about frontal lobes every day. Catch me it's, if you can. Cool. Who's the guy on the catcher? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Abern- Abernathy or, yeah. We have, we have Joe saying that Debbie and himself are some of the more practical people on the tribe. And it's hard to, hard to really disagree. I mean, we do get a lot of them. I guess, or, you know, building the shelter and with the fire. And so it would be really hard to cut those people out. Um, And then we get a lot of Joe also annoyed, annoyed with Liz. 
uh, who who wants the fire. And so that's one thing that I guess the burning job has been lacking is that they don't have fire. And Liz does get a bit emotional and she takes some time off to just sort of pout and say, you know what, I don't think Joe really appreciates the fact that I need water or I need fresh or sorry, I need fire for for uh, fresh water. And it's like, man, is that what they're they're arguing over? Like, that's it's kind of sad, really. Yeah, I took that totally a different way. Like I was I thought that was really good of Liz to step out when she knows like this will blow up if I if I stay here. Like one of the only moments that I saw her kind of be actually emotionally intelligent, like uh, and I can see why she would get worked up having. I, I saw her as like preparing ahead of time to like learn, okay, how do I do survival? Like she got into it. Maybe she didn't have a lot of experience with that in the past, but she tried to learn and it obviously took what the survivor people ahead of time when they're doing like, okay, here's the plants you can eat. Like, here's what you got to do to your water. Like she took that actually seriously. And was like, I need water, but it has to be boiled to be safe. So I took that as kind of her, her wanting the right thing. And and Joe and Debbie kind of just like pushing her aside, being like, "That doesn't matter. Get sick. It's fine." Yeah. Oh, I I completely agree with with you on that. It's uh, she she absolutely did the right thing, separating herself from the situation, and she does have a valid point. Like, I don't want to be drinking who knows what, and then it's going to be coming out both ends. That sounds awful to me. You know, you're you're absolutely right, but I think they're also just wanting a reason to be mad at Liz and a reason to not to I guess to not work with her. Um, so probably also rooted in that and people are just living together and obviously their personalities. What was the word that we threw out earlier? Um, volatile, like this is volatile. some of the, the volatile pieces of the, of the brain tribe. Well, and then speaking of volatile, like the brawn just is a hot mess. The sunburns and they're, they're hot and they're complaining and they don't have fire. And then like, I just feel like poor Alicia though. She can't win. Right. It's like, she is there for like hours and then finally gets the fire and then they're kind of just like oh like they're so good at putting her down but they don't have any way to build her up and so i found that really frustrating when she finally gets the fire that they're like not even giving her like the kudos that she deserves for getting the fire yeah i mean they also they highlight okay this girl she knows she's on the bottom and she's only doing this because she realizes she doesn't have a footing in this tribe but at the same time, she's putting in the work and she got the fire going. Yeah. And then they have the chicken and they go to the challenge. And then at the end of the challenge, it was so close, right? Like with the slingshot, like it was kind of back and forth and back and forth. And then there was the slingshot and then it was Scott on the slingshot. And there was like, I forget who the other one was. Maybe it was Peter, like Peter misses and then he misses and then Peter gets it. And I just thought it was so interesting how quick they are to blame Alicia and then they come back from that challenge and Scott's like, oh, well, I'm sorry I didn't get the shot. And then Jason's like, oh, it's not all your fault. And Scott's like, oh, no, I'm not saying it's all my fault. And you're like, yeah, but you wanted to blame 100% on her when she does one tiny thing wrong. And then he's not like if he had hit that shot, they would have won. Right. And, I, and I'm not saying like I know with Darnell, they just like threw him under the bus because of his one mistake. But I just thought it was very interesting how it's so much easier to take one person's mistake and put that all on them. But then when it's ourselves, it's like so easy to justify that. Yeah. No, they, he took no responsibility, very little accountability. It's sad. It's disgusting. It's true survivor villain in the worst sense. I completely co-sign everything that you said. 
And it's like, stop dumping on Alicia between this and their next loss. It's like, you're all losers. You're all losers. All, all of you. You're all great physically dominant people, but you can't scapegoat Alicia every time. One thing I did notice is that at the start of the challenge, Jenny looked very rough. Like she had a lot of like facial injuries of some sort. And it's like, what, like what's happening there? <laughs> so uh, not, not a lot there. And honestly, this episode was like a textbook in self-sabotage, like the whole stuff with Jenny and like the way that that played out, like at tribal council, like that was actually so crazy to me. Like, where does the spiral really begin? Because we have, we have them coming back to after. So yeah, Braun loses again for the second time in a row. And we have them coming back to tribe to their tribal beach. And Jenny just sees Scott and Jason. And she's like, you know what? They are just nonstop dumping on Alicia. And I am not about that right now. So she approaches Alicia and says like, hey, you know, there, you have a fighting chance. There's, there's maybe moves to be made. And then they rope in Sydney to, to potentially, potentially make a move against the guys. And we don't get a lot of perspective from Sydney at this point. So it's tough to say if she's really on board at this at this junction in the game. But uh, at some point during the day, Jenny decides that she does not want to blind, blindside Scott as much as she does not like Jason. And maybe now is not the time to move. And that spooks Sydney. I think it was like when she said things are up in the air, right? And then they all of a sudden are like, what? We didn't, like, I think that was the wrong thing to say. But then I also thought it was crazy how they just turned on her. But also like Alicia was like masterful with her lying and her redirection. Like that was in tribal council. Like she held it together and Jenny just fell apart. And then they were like, oh, we can't trust her. Yeah. Well, and I don't even think she was lying for the most part. Like, Jenny was the one that kind of got things going and we weren't sure about what Sydney was feeling exactly. Like, cause she didn't, she didn't fully say, it, but it, it did seem like she's like, she's going one way. She's going another way. Like I got to just stop working with, with Jennifer this way. So I, I think they could have gotten something going if, if Jennifer wasn't so back and forth. And then like, she really got caught herself in lies. Like definitely Alicia would have been going home if she hadn't have said anything. One thing I was sort of in the last the Lost Powers podcast that we did, I was sort of doubting Alicia's place on the Braun tribe. But I think through three episodes, sorry, four episodes of being on the show, that she sort of like earned her spot on that tribe. She is a very scrappy person. Totally. And exactly what you're saying, John, when she is going back and forth with Jenny in Tribal Council, she shuts down. There's the siren, downtown Winnipeg, everyone. Uh, she shuts down Jenny at every opportunity and she knows exactly what to say. And a lot of it was actually the truth because from what we saw on the TV show, she approached Alicia and Alicia exactly stood her ground, knew exactly what to say. And who knows exactly if minds were changed at tribal council, but Alicia, she's a brawn. She's a brawn. She's a beauty and a brawn. She re it reminded me actually like Jenny's sort of trajectory reminded me of, um, I had to look it up, but Lindsay not Lindsay and Jonathan Lindsay from 42, but Lindsay from the next season, 43. And she's the one who was like in a great place with her tribe. And then paranoia just like got her like, and she really like got herself out. Like she was nowhere near the bottom. And then she just like panicked. And then everyone's like, oh, we can't deal with this person anymore. Right. And so that's what they're right with uh, Cassidy, Carla, Geo, Ryan was Ryan on that tribe. 
yeah no that's a good good uh comparison to the new era um but yeah so we we have the the hot mess of jenny at tribal council where i don't exactly know where the self-sabotage ends but it's certainly uh our starts her, but it certainly ends at tribal council and so to eulogize jenny she really did this to herself in my opinion i think that she was in a really great spot but uh there's a million ways to lose survivor and really only one way to win and uh she really went down with multiple multiple strikes against her one fun fact about jenny that i want to just mention is that she knows jonas from survivor one world who is the sushi chef if anyone remembers jonas from one world the season that kim spradlin won oh okay little little piece of trivia knowledge any last words on uh our construction worker jenny jennifer lanzetti it, it was funny listening to her final uh exit interview because still at that point she didn't get why she got out like it, it she she still wasn't quite like oh i said the wrong thing and i blew up my own game like she she just totally didn't get that yet so i i hope she learned eventually watching it back with with some trusted friends I feel like if you could see when she talked, like one of the first sentences at Tribal and then the guy's faces, I feel like maybe that would be a light bulb moment for her where she's like, oh, that was the moment where, like it wasn't anything she did before that. It was her words in Tribal Council. Yeah. And then standing on top of the bench, that just, that just, you know, solidifies. This girl's trying anything at this point and it's not looking good. When you're standing up and sort of like, arms open and just sort of making a proclamation stop <laughs> say less like it's sort of the equivalent of like begging on your knees which you're just like no that's just sad right like i wish i'd been counting from the beginning because there's been several times where jeff's face and he's just gone wow <laughs> yeah this season more than any he's like i've never had a tribal quite like this one i think he says that multiple times this season and i believe it because through once again through four episodes there's been two ties like, what the heck? I, I completely forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, so we have a clean sweep against Jenny. At the, sorry, not a clean sweep. We have one one vote against her, which, which we will get into now. So episode three, entitled The Circle of Life. Did, did anyone say The Circle of Life? I feel like I didn't catch that if it... It was Ty. It was Ty about the chicken. He did say, like, when he was, like, trying to tell it to himself, like, it's okay. It's the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, yeah, actually, if I had to pick some, it sounds, that, that sounds like it would be a Ty quote. And so, yeah, we come back from Tribal Council and we have Scott telling Alicia why there was another vote against her. And that's, he told Jenny that he would not vote for her and he wanted to stay true to his word. I, like, I, I don't know how I feel about those kind of votes. I think it's kind of, maybe in the pre-merge, it's okay to an extent but i just if if you know someone's going home just just vote against them melinda which once again you did not do that to me in the post-merge late in the post-merge thank you <laughs> but on the survivor tv show when it's the pre-merge who cares like i don't know why he brought it up again like some of like these people keep saying things like oh i'm sorry i lost us the the challenge and and like i'm the one that voted for you for this weird reason like if you don't say it unless they bring it up like it probably will just wash over and i've been guilty about this in, in some of our forever at home games like doing that myself so i'm trying to learn but i don't think she would have been like who who wrote my name down i did think it was a good idea for scott to vote for her just in case like an idol came up or something like i don't know just just to kind of throw another vote another direction so 
and he he does have all the power so like he he knows obviously jason's with him and sydney is likely with him and alicia is very as much as you know she's been the scrappy underdog there's there's just hard to bounce back from that other than winning which they will do this this episode like he has nothing to lose in this in this scenario um tossing an extra vote on her yeah, so here we are, start of day seven. And so this is where we have Ty actually finding his idol. So last episode, he was sort of trying to find it, wasn't able to do it. This time he is able to find everything. And I, I you know, kind of fabricating memories here. I thought that Caleb helped him find the idol, but I guess that was completely made up on my own. And it was <laughs> Ty finding the idol. Yeah, just with no help at all. You're just, you're just appreciating the bromance as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this was the one where the idol has the two parts and it can become the super idol. Yes. So don't tell me if that comes into play. Shh. Ooh, no spoilers on okay. that. Okay. Yeah, we first learn about it in this episode. It's yeah, it's amazing. We we've seen this idol appear throughout Survivor history. I believe this is the third time. It was in Cook Islands. It was in Cagayan, and now it's here. And maybe if another appearance, I don't know, Jordan Timpson, if you're listening, maybe let us know. But uh yeah, this this idol has appeared a few times throughout the Survivor history. And here we have it again. Uh, so Ty will need to find someone else who has another piece of this idol. And you bring them together and you have the super idol that can be used after the votes are read, which is so overpowered in my opinion. Oh my goodness. I I don't know how I feel about that, but it's, it's, uh, it's something they have in the game. Let's just stick with the beauty for one minute because we did kind of reference this when we were talking about the previous episode. But this is the part with the chicken where Ty is having a hard time. And I just said I love his heart. But I also love how Nick says he's a robot and all of his people would say he has no feelings. But he has. But he's like, he thinks that he's good at faking that he has emotions. And then all the girls are like, I don't trust him. He has no feelings. <laughs> you're like, your, your robot in human disguise is not working. <laughs> Yeah, they can just tell some sums that like sociopathic vibes coming off of him, you know. It's it's funny though when they're with the chickens, like you know, Ty's so you know kind of you know he's gonna be emotional over it. I don't know why he had to be there for it then, and actually holding the chicken. Like there was Nick there who wouldn't have cared. He would have just done it on his own, like without any remorse. Oh no, I think he's too pretty boy. Like I don't. I think Nick was like wouldn't have wanted to touch it that's the impression he gives me didn't want to get his hands dirty <laughs> it looked like he was like looking at it like liking it he kind of was like oh this is great yeah i don't know if you guys are game of thrones people but it kind of reminded me of in the first season when ned stark gets uh, a guy who i guess abandoned the wall and then he makes his children watch as he beheads someone and it's like okay you're gonna be here and you're also gonna watch and so I feel like Ty's like, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty over the top for Ty to like, you know what? We're going to do like this. Gonna... Exactly. Yeah. You're actively part of the, the circle of life as you call it. But I, I really did like how he, and this is very true in indigenous culture as well, where when you kill an animal, you try to use the whole animal. And so he was very specific on camera in confessional saying that, he would also like us or like them to be using the whole chicken. And of course, we don't get any, I guess, what they would, what they did do. But I did really appreciate that if they're going to kill a chicken, they want to use. I think he actually, chicken. I think it did show him, though. He took the feathers and something else that you can't use. And he went and like had a little ceremony in the water. Like, I think it showed them like 
Yeah, yeah. So I feel like he probably had like a little moment, which is just like his heart. It's just it's nice. And I I read that he actually like adopted kind of one of the chickens for the rest of the season, and he named it Mark after uh, Mark Burnett, like one of the producers, and then and then like he kept it and then released it like at the very end kind of like just releases it to the world this is a storyline on the show john have you have you not watched uh Korong before no the, no this is my first time watching it through, really so I'm, I'm watching wow. it with you guys so okay good i i, I won't say more then because i just read this as i was researching the episode so so then we we moved to the brains tribe where we have uh peter uh dr er peter noting that our CIA uh, police officer Joe is is working on his abs, which is quite the sight for a seventy one year old man to be just on a raft doing some ab workouts. Like, my goodness, when does this man relax? And what is he doing now? I loved because I watched this episode twice, and it it actually is so good the second time round when you know how the tribal council goes. Just like how much fun the editors had with cutting out all the absolutely insane things that Peter says of just like how they're like moving the pieces and he's in charge and he like called what did he say he said everyone else is clay to be molded and they need paternal direction and I was just like oh my goodness but like he must have said like a million things but it's just so great how they edited all these terrible terrible lies called them all goats and like and and was just like uh and and liz later is like okay i'm gonna make this as clear as possible so they don't have to like joe and debbie don't have to think i'm gonna just give them the one person to vote for like it was it was crazy so one thing that i've in my reading and research on survivor is that when you're in the confessional you're having like a 20 20 or 30 minute conversation with an individual or two people who have an ability to draw this information out of you and just make you feel like you're like that you are the most interesting person on the planet. And, you know, you could just tell that they're the editors are just like, you know, frothing out the mouth at all this ridiculous stuff that Peter is just telling to the producers because it's so good in the worst way. And I can't even imagine him being at home watching this is probably just mortified. It's like you idiots which is waiting to see what happens to you and i love when they cut it together where someone will be like i'm gonna say this and nobody's gonna know and then it cuts to the person that like they're an idiot of course i know so it's like it cuts to like peter's calling debbie the court jester i'm using air quotes nobody can see that and then it cuts to debbie being like i know exactly what is going on with peter and liz and like i just need joe to step in line with me so it's like it's just so funny how she is a lot like Caroline, um, maybe wrapped up in not quite as a like attractive package, but she she knows how other people see her and she totally uses that to her advantage. And I love that about her. I, I, I completely agree. And one thing that, you know, we all sort of have main character syndrome on these, like if we were to be in this, in, in their situations, right? And one thing that you can't really discount is that other people are also brilliant in their own ways. They all went through the same casting process. No one here is an idiot. And you have to remember that when you're out there because otherwise you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like, I guess Liz in this situation, but, you know, obviously Peter too, to uh, a certain extent to be on the outs. But but you, you do, do not discount anyone. Yeah, especially because they're on the brain stripe. Like, obviously, you know, you might think you're really smart and you are, but like 
these are also people who are stereotypically smart and have like shown that. So I think someone like Joe, who's working out as well, like is showing that he's a more rounded player. And I don't know why you would insult that as someone, you know, you're like, we need people who are also physically fit to help with the challenges. But just staying true to the brain, uh, the brain, I guess what they're lacking is the interpersonal skills, right? You just get these brainiacs that are kind of, uh, you know, no social skills. And they're just like a bunch of magnets, just uh, positive as positive as negatives, just like bounding off each other. It's like, can't be near you, can't be near you. Um, and that's, that's, that's the brain tribe right now. There was one more line that I loved and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is before tribal council when Neil said, they need to be punished. <laughs> like when he was talking about Liz and Peter and just how they're just like, think that they're running the show. I was like, Oh, that's such a good line that like, they're going to rewatch the show and just be like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Liz was, <laughs> uh, so then we, we have just jumping over to the Braun tribe, Alicia of all people finding a clue to the hidden immunity idol. And she happens to be with Sydney and they start digging this, this very much intrigued me just because I was so curious was Alicia. How did she feel about Sydney being there? How did Sydney feel about finding it with Alicia? How did Sydney feel about Jason walking by and seeing it? Would Sydney have even said anything had that not happened? I, I just, I loved all the social dynamics that were in play in the situation. Um, and, you know, it kind of ends in a very, not a great way for, you know, if you're sort of cheering for the underdog. But I, I loved everything about this scene. Yeah, man, Alicia could have flipped the game so much if she just, because Sydney didn't see her at all. She called Sydney over. So she could have pretended like she didn't find the thing and then just kind of, you know, left it until another time. And and then the whole game could have gotten flipped over. Like it could have been very different. And I didn't like, I kind of felt like by the end, it felt like bullying against her just because it was, there was like the physical maneuvering of like, I just, I did that just felt a little bit icky to me. Like I know that he's the one who found the key and whatever, but like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love it. I'm going to say. And even for Sydney, like, cause Sydney was the one that told them, and then they went and kind of got it and like kept it for themselves. So yeah, and so this is where if Survivor was scripted, just point to this episode. Like top notch Survivor would have been Alicia finding the idol, flipping flipping the script on the guys, and getting out Scott or Jason. But lo and behold, the bad guys win. The quote unquote bad guys win in this situation. And even to just go back to the point that you guys were talking about, uh, Jason has a point of you know as a father of two girls. I, I can really appreciate the fact that I really don't want them to to grow up and be, you know, dumb like Alicia or however he said it. It's like, I, you know, you're taking the wrong lesson away from here, uh, Jason. Uh, hope that your daughters don't encounter an a-hole like you because, my goodness, Alicia is putting up with a lot. Like, poor 22-year-old Alicia. Oh, and, and I hope that, like, when your daughters have to watch you speak about a woman that condescendingly right yeah not a good look not a good look and like jason is 30 and scott is 40 and alicia is 23 so there's also that part of it too is like these are growing older men and she is like barely out of young adulthood i guess right so i don't know it just is icky yeah yeah you know the misogyny is is real okay let's go let's go back 
let's go back to the brain tribe. Like that's the good part of this. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to, I was just going to touch, we can get back to the brain tribe, but I was just going to touch uh, on briefly on the challenge. I, I kind of, I kind of liked how it was a uh, reward slash uh, immunity challenge. And they had, they had an option the first tribe to, to finish had the option. Do you want the comfort items or do you want the, I forget what the other the other option was. I really like that for the three tribe format. Special items from home, which they haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, your your emotional support kind of item. Yeah, I think I saw a letter. I I don't know if you guys. It was very quick as it scanned through the screen. There was like Teddy, like a like stuffed animals kind of thing too. Um, Jason had one of those. Or like a picture frame. Like Alicia's was like a picture frame that someone had written like a little note to her. Right. And even when they won, I feel like we didn't really get to see there. There wasn't any package of, I guess, them going through their their prizes. But I yeah, I, I really I liked. I, I just I just wondered how the family members who had helped prepare those like the beauty tribe was like automatically like, we'll take comfort. We don't want our family items. Like, I wonder if they were watching that at home be like, oh, I wrote you this really nice letter to help encourage you. You didn't even care. You, you wanted a hammock and a pillow. <laughs> Unless I had a comfy stuffed animal that I could use as a pillow, I would take comfort <laughs> items a hundred percent of the time. Like, oh, bamboo is. And not who the who's the guy that quit on. this this past season on like day seven because he wanted to go see his husband? Like these people are on Sean. Sean, yeah, <laughs> these people are on like day day eight, and they still have like thirty one days to go if you're staying in the game. And they're saying, no, screw the comfort. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. There's something there about, you know, how Sean is not fit to play this game. But One more piece in the challenge. If we're going to uh, get mad at at, uh, at the Braun tribe again, having rewatched it now, Jason, the whole time that Sydney is doing, like the, trying to get the ball to, to finish up and be the, and, and, and make it through, he's yelling so loud, like up, up, left, which isn't going to help her at all. Like she can see where it needs to go. Like that is not like a helpful thing to be yelling and he's yelling it so loud. And then in the next episode, they're so mean to Alicia again for yelling, actually encouraged or like not even yelling, just saying encouraging things. And it's, it's just another, you know, hypocritical moment in my opinion. Yeah. The double standard. Yeah. And I feel like this is like at, like the idea of self-awareness like comes up so frequently. Like we talked about it with the brain tribe, but even that type of self-awareness of like that you call out something in someone else and don't have that awareness of yourself. So I feel like uh, like our fearless leader, Andrew has always talked about how, or maybe it's Kel, you've talked about this too, how if any of us ever get on the show, we need to have like, not like a roast, but like an encouraging time where we tell you all your faults so you can like be aware <laughs> as a way to like is it you that's talking about or andrew no that that was me and so one thing one thing that i shared is that if you ever find yourself getting an invitation to be on survivor text i guess 10 close people in your life and just be like what are some things that i need to work on as an individual that i might not be aware of and it's going to be hard to hear and you're going to have a lot of sucky I don't know why conversation I thought it was andrew. sorry cal it was you know, Andrew wishes he had some of my ideas. No, <laughs> uh, 
I, I really hope Andrew gets a shot on the show sometime. I think that would be amazing. So I, I do sort of tailor, I have tailored in the past some of my comments to like when Andrew gets on the show, because I think that'd be great, but we'll see what the future holds. Uh, so I thought that Braun was going to lose this. I was completely shocked. So as someone who's watched the season, it was really fun to see Braun win and uh, to see Brain go to Tribal Council. That was that was great. So uh, Brains lose and they go. And we have we have a confessional of Peter saying that Neil is the target. Um, and then of course he he is the target in his in his eyes, but. Uh, this felt like a Shakespearean play where you know what's going to happen, but the characters in the show, like dramatic irony, where you know what's going to happen as the viewer and the watcher, but they don't because it was just like this to me. This whole thing was so juicy. I just loved it so much. <laughs> it, it was it was really good. And then you even see so Liz approaching Debbie and saying that they really need to target Neil and even as she's saying this, it's just like, Liz, this just feels too little too late. Like, you needed to sort of build this maybe like a day or two ago. Of course, you don't want to overextend yourself before you lose because, of course, information can get back to, to Neil. But you need to sort of uh, build a foundation early. Of course, they're on like, what, day eight or nine now? And I think it's just, it was just a bit sad because like these ideas, they're not wrong, but just the execution was just terrible. Well, and it's interesting how you have these three groups of two and it feels like in Liz and Peter's eyes, like Neil and Aubrey are also these masterminds that they're competing with to try to get Debbie and Joe. But when you look at the dynamic between Debbie and Joe and Neil and Aubrey, it doesn't feel like Neil and Aubrey are running the show, right? It's more like, they're having these discussions and Debbie's really smart with like asking Aubrey, like, well, what do you think? Right. And so I feel like that, like, as soon as you come across to condescending and like this, this dynamic of being above someone and telling them what to do, like people are going to notice that and balk at that. Right. And so I feel like the, it feels like more mutual of like Debbie and Joe having like shared interests with Aubrey and Neil. Yeah. And, and from everything we've seen, Aubrey and Neil are just chilling. Like Neil's always just sitting in the hut. Like Aubrey's kind of like walking around like in on trails. And that's the only time we've ever like really seen them. And they're just pretty relaxed people for the most part. And I feel like wardrobe really screwed over Neil, but like here, wear this polka dot tie. Like I, I highly doubt Neil actually wears anything remotely similar to that, but they just want to be like, okay, you're an ice cream entrepreneur. Well, how can we make you look as goofy <laughs> as possible? I mean, maybe he does dress like that in his everyday life, but I suspect that he does not. <laughs> I think he said though, he was like, I thought I was going to be the goofy one coming on this season. And then I met Debbie. <laughs> I think that was the first episode. Like, oh man, that, I mean, it ended up being yeah just an interesting try yeah it is, it is a good call so we have aubrey saying that peter doesn't quite have the eq that she is looking for in a person and doesn't think she can move forward with him and you, you know obviously i don't really at this point in the the series you don't really know aubrey but i feel like she is someone who could really appreciate emotional intelligence and her and Peter on paper, I just, I don't think they would ever get along. Sure, they're they're both the quote unquote young people, but, oh, she's she's 39 now. I, I did look at uh, Aubrey's age. And so 
little fun fact, she's uh, in our age age bracket, um, but she doesn't want to work with Peter. And we cut to Debbie sort of kind of like laying out how it's going to happen. And people, I wish we were able to like cut out sound clips because the tri- Debbie's confessional going to tribal council was so funny. She was kind of like, uh, have this very com- complicated layout of what's going to happen. Bit of a pause and total blindside. It's so good. It's so good. I love Debbie so much. And there was a, there was a good there was a good like Jeff wow <laughs> like in this yeah. one too. Yeah, and and to make it even more Shakespearean, like you were saying, in the end Neil doesn't even get any of the votes, so they they ended up not even going like all of their quotes from the first kind of after tribal or after the challenge, just didn't even count. And I feel like when Jeff said self awareness is key, it was almost like sarcastic and i don't know if it was him or some, one of the players said everyone thinks they're the smartest person on the tribe and i was like that is like so telling of everybody here right he was almost <laughs> coaching them being like guys like get better you don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah i i found so peter peter went so hard at neil it was almost shocking like if we were on our survivor discord i would be putting like the little spicy MOG, you know, we have like the pepper. I wrote OMG, Peter, the arrogance. Like some of the stuff he was saying in Tribal Council, you're just like, oh my goodness. He's like an overlord. <laughs> and then if Neil actually went hope, like how rude. Like I would be like, F you, man. Like that was way too much for someone who's going home. Like play with some subtlety, you know? But lo and behold, we have another 2 2 2 tie. Or I guess the last tie was 3-3. Three, three. But crazy, crazy. I mean, it could have been like 3-2-1. I don't know if it had to necessarily be 2-2-2. Two, two, two. But that was... And, the, you know, the writing is on the wall at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so was that intentional just in case there was an idol? Peter and Liz talked about doing that. But the funny thing was they kind of flipped it. And then they did it to, to Peter and Liz instead. So... It was a smart move, I think, just in case. It was like, kind of great how on the revote they were both, they just sat there and clutched each other because neither of them had a vote. Had a vote. Like, oh, like... no. And then when you look at whose life was it, like, they're, like, it was Debbie, Joe, and Neil who got to decide, and then it was unanimous. So that was good. There was something where I could just sort of relate to, as a multi time survivor at home loser, there was just something familiar about being in the sea that Peter and Liz were in and just the feeling of helplessness in that moment we were kind of just like, well, let's just see how this plays out, I guess, because there's nothing I could do. Oh yeah. That happened to me. Like we won't get too much into this, but being a person who's tied against you and then everybody else going to a revo. Cause you're just like, I don't actually know who I trust. Right. And that panic feeling of, I don't even have a say in this. And I just hope like that it works out in my favor. So. And unfortunately for Liz, it did not work out in her favor. Uh, Final thoughts on Liz before we move on. I almost appreciate that it was Liz that they picked instead of Peter, because I would love, like, I want to see the fallout of Peter. Yeah. I want to see if he, actually can change and like learn something from this we you know at the beginning of next episode we see a little bit about like what debbie kind of says to him and stuff and calls him a narcissist so i like and if that's true he won't ever kind of be able to kind of see that he did it you know actually was wrong in what he was doing but 
if, if he can learn from it, like I, I not knowing where the, the, the season goes, he, he could, it could be helpful for him, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I'm, I'm very intrigued, intrigued as well. Um, but, but with Liz, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I really did like what Liz brought to the show. There was a lot lacking in her game socially, of course, but another another player where I feel I wish we we got another shot. I, I wish Liz got another shot. Um, I think there's more to her story, and obviously we're in a new era, and Jeff had previously said that he's not bringing anyone back, but I, I wish Liz had another shot. I think it would be, be kind of great to see her back on. Um, and so just another little, little trivia piece for, for everyone. Um, Liz went on a date with Stephen Fishback way back when, and Stephen Fishback referred her to be on the show. Um, obviously they're not dating now, but, uh, yeah, she, uh, that was sort of her, her way up. So Andrew Ironside, if you want to get cast on the show, maybe go on a date with, uh, Stephen Fishback. (laughs) who's Um, the fishback of this era that's what you gotta find oh who is the fishback of this era that is a good question i'm gonna ponder that one for a bit (laughs) um but okay so here you are episode four sign sealed and delivered uh once again i don't think i caught who said that i I wrote down the title but yeah i didn't know who said that either yeah don't know who said it either yeah there's bigger Uh, things in this episode to worry about we i (laughs) did not pay attention to almost anything else just to speak very quickly about kind of what we were talking about, I found when they came back from Tribal on the Brain Tribe, that's where Debbie calls herself the mastermind. But I also think she's wise to go talk to Peter and be like, well, we kept you for a reason. Like, that's just her, like, you vote someone out and you betray them and then you reconcile immediately. Like, that's good playing. But I also felt like Peter was still arrogant. Like, he was still like, oh, like, he could not see that he was, like, the train wreck. <laughs> he did thank he did thank Debbie for coming to true, talk with true. him, though. And yeah. so, actually, Melinda, I actually wrote down that whole quote because I thought it was so good and funny and okay. just, like, high, like peak Debbie. Like, well, everything is peak Debbie. But yeah. she's, she's I, I, I wish I could do a good Debbie impression, but she's like, I, I gathered intel, I made observations, then I made objections, and I knew how to carry them out. I'm the mastermind. <laughs> and it's like is she wrong i like i don't think she's wrong here like she she did all of that right it also though felt a bit like uh you know foreshadowing for the future that's like oh no she's getting too arrogant now like this is not a good i it's not a good sign we'll see what you know we'll see where the season goes but we need a meme with her with the taylor swift what if i told you i was yeah, the mastermind <laughs> Shout out to all the Swifties out there. Just like if there's anyone who's like, the le- like, what am I trying to say? The most unlike Taylor Swift. No, absolutely. Oh, okay, man. so okay. we jump into the reward challenge, which is, all right, guys, come on in. We're playing for spices and coffee. When you say that again, doesn't isn't that make it even more painful oh. that this wasn't even an immunity challenge? No, no. Okay. I oh, I so yeah. I wrote I wrote this down, and so we're we're referencing Andrew a lot. This Andrew, Andrew Ironside a lot this episode, but I was like, I'm sure Andrew would love this with his grilled cheese sandwiches. Like like what a lame prize! Spices <laughs> and coffee, and second place gets salt and pepper. Yeah. 
we we did get a lot of ooze for the coffee from all the coffee addicts on the show yeah. but like like come i couldn't believe that this was a reward like when they when they go to tribal later like in the episode i was like there's more like that was enough yeah. that was that enough. very high stakes and you're like was it really worth it like i know you have to give it your all but do you like in that situation i don't know like definitely not even just them even just watching them start to dig in the sand like as soon as you see someone's body caked in sand you know they're sweating profusely and the sand is stuck to them you're like that is painful and then as soon as you get the like when they so show the elapsed time it's always like you know how it's so hot there's like a mirage you're just like this is not good oh i, no. I was reading about like how hot it actually was that day and Apparently, like it was over 100 Fahrenheit, so like 40 Celsius, which with the Humidex, it got up to like 128, they said, on on the on Korong that uh, that day, which is like over 50 degrees Celsius. So this is like, why I would lose Survivor, because I'm Canadian and my body is not equipped for that. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, nope. like. Agreed. They just, it was just spurt, like the sand would have been burning, which is probably why they were so quick just going under that stuff. They're just like, I can't stay on here. Yeah. Like, yeah. John, have you ever been in hot temperatures before? Melinda and I have shared our stories of being abroad <laughs> and how Canadian we are when it's hot. Yeah, I, I enjoyed hearing that. Oh, I mean, even, even here, like, that's the crazy thing about Canada is that we get like, you know, minus 40 40 degrees but then we also get like yeah plus plus 40 sometimes in the same in the same areas right so i've been on like a number of canoe trips where it gets really hot and you're physically exerting yourself and trying to trying to force teenagers to drink water and um i've also led some trips uh, to the dominican republic we've we've worked with a couple couple groups there that you know, help, help build schools and, and water treatment uh, places and, and been leading groups of, again, high schoolers and just like forcing ourselves to think about water all the time is so key because mm -hmm. it's so hot. And if you're doing anything physical, like it can just be just brutal. Like it can, yeah. And just it's take not you like out. in the middle of the challenge, they're pausing to drink water. You know what I mean? They're just going. And that is any, like, over an hour in that heat like that's just unwise <laughs> i mean i know it's survivor yeah. Yeah. but i don't know so like, now that i know that you guys are sort of fresh to fresh to the season how was it f to experience the scene first off because you see if you guys watch the pre the next time on survivor you you know something's coming and so what was it like to go through so you see you, debbie go down caleb go down sydney go down like yeah. walk me through what is going through your guys's head as as you're watching this i just thought like bruce's first season uh like the uh, more recently like i thought that was crazy with you know people and stuff like but this was this was just like on a whole nother level and even re-watching it like it's hard to keep track of all the stuff that's going on and like everyone's yeah yeah what, what were you saying melinda and then we can get into well, it well and i kind of felt like maybe like they didn't realize how bad because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere right like Caleb did not show signs of that but it's like one of those things where you push and push and push and then when the challenge was over it was like these people fell apart because I do wonder if they would have let it go that far if they 
did realize how serious it was going to be. Like there was a couple times there where they're like, he is unresponsive, like an event. And then they got him and he nodded his head, but that was like pretty scary. And even when Jeff is like, you are all personnel, like come forward. And I, I actually really loved how they panned the camera out and they actually showed you. I, and I took a photo, fo- I re I rewound it back and took a photo because there was about 50 people. If you include all of the cast, all of the crew, everyone there on set, like, and everyone like later, Jeff said over 70, uh, like crew oh, okay. responded, you know, yeah. responded to it. And then, you know, a few people are still kind of doing the booms and the cameras, but because I don't it think was they, all ever, they never show you that full thing, right? Like often when a medic comes in, there's like a few people or they're grabbing water bottles. But I, I don't think I've ever panned out and seen that. Like you, because when you're watching the show, you don't think about how many people are literally present on that beach. And so I kind of liked how they pulled back enough and was like, this is so serious that we're going to show you what's actually going on because this is real life. Yeah. And so through 32 seasons of the show, this, I believe, was the first time you see, yeah, the boomer operators, other camera uh, men and or women. And so that just when you're watching it live, like, holy crap, the gravity of the situation it's real. Like we're going behind the fourth wall at this point. Yes, exactly. And very, very scary. And you know, things are, are about to get real. And I, I had an eye on Caleb because I know that he is ultimately the one to go and he is going hard the entire time. Like obviously everyone kind of slows down when they're struggling to look for the bag, but even when his tribe is sort of a bit in the lead and then Braun comes up, He's running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've got that pressure now, right? They're in yeah. second. And then like, and then the other team seems like they're catching up. And I noticed that too, because I watched this twice. And that was something I did notice of like, once they're even out of the sand, he's still running and pushing and like, and also like the, the, like even just the stress, like not the heat, but the, like we feel that in Survivor at home, like your heart is beating faster. Like I am sweating. My face goes red just from like, the feelings of being in a game where it feels like there's stakes. So I cannot even imagine that because like his body is having this crazy stress response. Totally. Uh, yeah. And and good on Joe for like initiating that first call to medical. Cause like it was, it was very needed. Debbie does get into it where she said that she felt embarrassed and she didn't want to appear weak in her tribe. And exactly what you're saying, Melinda, about all the things that's going through Caleb said from his perspective, but also from the other people who are feeling faint like you don't want to be the weak person on your tribe because that's just going to be painting a target on your back as well. And so for you to call over medics to have a look at you, that's also indicating that you are not doing doing well yourself. But for your tribe mate to make a call and for Joe to be like, hey, somebody needs to come over here and look at Debbie. Absolutely. And so... Yeah. Well, and like we saw from Sydney and stuff, like your body starts shutting down and by that point it's like too late like she couldn't move but she couldn't even like express that loud enough to like let other people know so mm-hmm. you know jason kind of like catching that like you know it, it was it was really necessary for everyone to help out in that situation yeah and i mean we've been uh poo-pooing on jason and giving him a lot of guff this whole podcast but you know it was it was so nice to see him tending to sydney the entire time i like that was that did warm my uh jaded survivor heart just a bit to see him do that yeah i agree i he's not redeemed in my heart but i'm like okay this man has a soul and i did appreciate how he sort of likened it to like his training from the army so 
Yeah. And so lo and behold, we do have a helicopter come to fly in and collect Caleb. Uh, and so one thing that I said, or that I wrote down here is that it says, Jeff is talking to Caleb, but nothing appears to be registering. You know, like his eyes are closed. He sort of has an oxygen mask on his face and his Jeff is just talking to, to a fainted person, I think in this, in this situation, I, I listened to some interviews with Caleb after the fact, and he said he does not remember any of that part. And so watching it on TV, was sort of his first time experiencing that as well, but also like he woke up in a helicopter with a lot of workers who did not speak English and it, he had this sort of triggering um, moment of just being back in sort of Iraq, Afghanistan, and just, you know, it really brought him back to that part of his life. And so, of course, Survivor, you know, there's a lot of things going on, but, you know, they really dropped the ball with, of course, allowing this challenge to go on, but just sending him away with no representative from the show to just walk him through what's happening next. That's crazy. Yeah, I never like it. It must have been chaos, just absolute. Like, and he ended up being in the hospital for five days, and then and he said in an interview that it took him about five months to feel to get better again, like to be able to be out in sunlight to like actually feel fully like himself again. So, drink your water, people. Like, actually, you know, take take sun health seriously yeah. yep. it's, it's actually huge there was one yep. point like when they were monitoring him and i think there was one thing where you could see that his temperature was 105 like he got up to 107 which is you know oh. like even one degree oh. it's, uh, it's we were like oh no that's yeah. that's bad yeah. yeah and it was interesting because like when we were talking about the like vulnerability of like admitting that you're not okay and like in that point it just like went from it went so quickly and it was interesting like when he was leaving like I, I don't know if it was Michelle or one of the girls said I thought Caleb was invincible and I feel like he probably felt like that too like he was definitely one of the strongest people in the whole cast right so I oh, did he's... love how though as soon as the helicopter left and it cut to commercial it like the block came on the screen that was like Caleb was totally okay like I, I liked how they didn't leave you hanging even till the end of the episode because that, as a viewer, you were just like, well, I can't even imagine. Like, you just would want to know right away, right? Yep. No, I, I really love that for Caleb where, you know, it said Caleb is fine and he hopes to someday play again, which he we know he does. But I, I completely agree. I have friends who are sort of, you know, in that sort of realm that Caleb is in. And, you know, when you're like a mid 20 something, super athletic, like these guys do feel like they're invincible. Like a lot of teenagers just do. But, you know, for these people to come like next level athletes, for sure. And then this is just such a reality check. And I we, we briefly touched on Sydney, but before we move on, yeah, it was for someone of her stature. And once again, she's 22 to be on the ground and just whimpering. Like that was also just very, very scary to see. Like to be, man, her family in that scenario oh, and just God. watching that on TV, yeah. frightening. Very, very You would have had to prep them for that, just so you know, or maybe skip this part. Yeah. Mom, I'm sitting with you here right now and I'm alive. Just just remember me with yeah. you right now and I am alive. Yeah. yeah. yeah that is, and then the response of like the girls in Ty and then there's like Nick the robot again. Like, not that I expected him to ball, but he was like, <laughs> like where are your feelings, yeah. dude? 
yeah, what happened that you're not in touch with your feelings at all? You know, you know, I could see you, you sometimes see confessionals of people who like quit or something. It's like, well, you know, that's one less person in the game. And it's like, you know what? That's true. But uh, someone almost died. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, he didn't say that. So I don't want to fault him for saying something that he didn't say. But I could envision him mm-hmm. saying something like that. <laughs> He's thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the other person I was thinking about th- throughout it was uh, like Jeff Probst as well. Because at this point, he's just like, this is like his like third or fourth season as executive producer as well as host. So at first he kind of tries to be like, oh, there's three stories going on at once. And then like once it all starts going down, he's like, okay, I got to switch to like executive producer mode. Like this is all on me. Like I'm liable if things go bad. Like I need all the crew in. Like this is just turned into chaos i i thought he handled it really well because that is like happening as it goes and and while i think maybe they could have just like sometimes he's like hit pause like remember jonathan in the ocean when they're like half drowning like what if he'd said we're going to take a five minute break where everyone is going to drink some water and sit in the shade and then we're going to start the challenge again you know what i mean or we're just going to give you the balls wherever you're you know what i mean like i feel like yeah there could have been some places where they stepped in, but once the, like, what are we going to call it? Once the emergency or the chaos or all of that was unfolding, like, I do think he handled it well. Like not everyone could not panic in that situation. Oh yeah. And I'm sure some of these like medical, like some of these procedures have come because of this. And I'm sure other like CBS shows like now have to have like very detailed plans because of things like, you know, when emergencies happen, then you start developing like, okay, they, they pause it whenever someone gets hurt or needs medical attention. Now if enduring challenges, it's, it's a good thing. I think. Agreed. So uh, before we get into the immunity challenge, we do have uh, some, some shots back at camp. And once again, our uh, little scrappy underdog, Alicia uh, standing up for herself. And she was, she was being a bit of a cheerleader and wanting to, you know, cheer on her tribe and she's telling scott that you know what like i'm over here trying to help out the tribe doing as much as the next person and here you are i i, I did not write down his quote but you know basically calling her stupid and useless and not really contributing to the tribe um but yeah and this this is one of my biggest issues with scott is that what he has you know like what i would call like punching down you know, like this person is already so far on the bottom okay. of your tribe and you know, she's going home next. Why do you have to be so Absolutely. rude and mean with arrogance? Like, it's just, it's just, just does not feel good. And to be honest, you're almost old enough to be her dad. Like you are almost 20 years older than her. And like, I, I totally agree with what she was saying as an athlete, like, And then he's so condescending to her, like, oh, you don't know what it's like to be on a team. It's like, dude, you know nothing about her. Just because you played in the NBA doesn't mean that you're a good teammate. And yeah, I, this was, before I was kind of like putting Scott a little bit above Jason, but this really just knocked him down in my eyes. Like that would not be a proud thing that I would want my prior teammates, my family to see about me if I were Scott, like. Yep. And he, and he says, you know, when I'm on the, in the NBA, I'm playing with the best of the best. And it's like, well, Scott, you know, like they made the team and I made the cast and here we are. And once again, we're all losing. This is 
four, through four episodes, we've lost three immunity challenges, and you're a part of that loss as well as me. We're all losers here. We're all losers. <laughs> okay, so this immunity challenge, I, I really, so, yeah, please. Wait, can I just say one thing? Can I just say one thing? Um, I did love the confessional with Debbie after the challenge where she got really emotional and just talked about her daughters. And she's just like, I want them to be proud of me. And then she just talked about how much they're her cheerleaders. And I was just like, every mom should be their daughter's hero. You know what I mean? No matter how wild and quirky and whatever. Like, and I just loved that she talked about her relationship with her daughters. And I, like, I followed this up and looked on the internet and just saw some pictures of her with her. And I just love that. So I feel like, I hope that they were proud of her. Even it would be hard to see your mom go through that, right? Like we're talking about a, a, like Sydney's family, but I just love that where she was really vulnerable because she does present herself as tough as nails, but I loved her like talking about her kids too and seeing her mom's side. Thanks for bringing that up because last episode, I also did make a comment about like, oh my goodness, to be Debbie's kids. But exactly what you're saying, like if obviously we're seeing like the highlights of the highlights of the highlights of Debbie's experience on Survivor and the her and her most corgus, maybe she's like that all the time. I don't know. But obviously her daughters do love her and she loves her daughters. And I'm sure her daughters are so proud to see her. So as much as, uh, you know, we're kind of like, I don't say laughing at Debbie, but, you know, kind of talking about her uh, quirkiness. I'm sure, yeah, to, I'm sure her daughters are very proud to proud to call her her mom. And to just really tack on uh, to, on that, I guess, emotional piece, during the, you know, Caleb's, uh, like, le leaving the game, I I didn't cry or anything, but I was like, man, like, that's that sucks. Like, I, I was feeling a bit emotional. To go out in that way would be so rough when your tribe is on such a hot winning streak. And so one thing that, John, you mentioned it in the pre-show is, like, what trait is sort of, I guess doing the quote unquote best or like what trait is really rising to the top. The beauty tribe is, has been so strong through four episodes and for Caleb to go out in the way he did, where he was very well insulated, Anna approaching him and talking about needing to maybe get out Nick, if it comes to that, and he's agreeing to it. He's very tight with Kate with Ty. Caleb was in such a great position on such a strong tribe. And so not to say he would have won the game, but like he was in no position to leave anytime soon. Yeah, and I think I think the the beauties in this one have been showing that emotional intelligence that Jeff has kept alluding to the last four episodes, and and I think that's what has made them work well. They've worked well as a team and and have kept doing that. So it, it's produced wins for them in in challenges. Speaking of challenges, so we come up to our next immunity challenge. And one thing that I really took away from this, and Melinda, I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective, is what a unique puzzle this was. I don't think we've seen anything like it in Survivor since then, but I don't even know where I would necessarily begin with this. Like, you're a puzzler, are you not? I know, yeah. It was so interesting. And it's like, it feels like one of those things that like, it looks like you could solve it more than one way, but obviously there was, obviously you couldn't. So, yeah. I like that, though. I like how they, like, throw different things in. And Yeah. My my first thought was, like, did they change this chat? Like, ha has it gotten cooler in Korong uh, over the last, like, day or two? And did they change the challenge to, like, make it less intense than it was originally supposed to be to 
to work with the weather and, and what their bodies have been through over the last couple of days. Cause that's crazy. See, could they really realist? Obviously they, they would need to adjust something, but I mean, that's sort of like reverse engineer the final day of survivor. You have potentially a two hour tribal that happens after sunset. So let's say from like that happens from like eight to 10 and then before that, you want some sort of this like pre-tribal scramble, which maybe like that's an hour. And you're, of course, subtracting the time from that. Um, and then, of course, you'd ha- actually have the challenge. So like at what point in the day? And then you have to get to and from the challenge. So at what time realistically could you have a, an immunity challenge? And if maybe you're doing it in 90 minutes, maybe two hours, you have to go through the challenge, explain everything, make sure everyone understands. Like, could you realistically avoid the hottest point in the day like i I, i'm so curious but did you notice did you notice it felt like the reward challenge was on day nine and then when it went to the immunity challenge it was day 11 so it felt like there was zero footage of day 10 so it's almost like they gave them like maybe that was already in the schedule or maybe they were able to adjust it because of Caleb going home, but then still having an immunity challenge and the numbers. But it felt like they almost gave them like a rest day where there was like no footage from day 10. Did you notice that? Uh, so I've been writing down the days sort of as I go. But one thing I've noticed about the season, it's like, it'll be like day four. And then like, it's just sort of like off the screen again. And so I'm like, okay, I think it was day this. And so I for this, this final episode, I think I just sort of stopped watching uh, the day count. But... Yeah, I mean, with so much of the episode taking up uh, from the reward challenge, I'm sure they had to sacrifice a lot of footage uh, for, you know, whatever happened on day 10. But I did not notice that. Um, Okay, so lo and behold, uh, Jason, uh, they lose uh, the bronze. They lose again for a third time through four episodes. Braun is going back to the tribal council. And, and they say, you know what? We could have tribal council right here. And Alicia says, no, no, absolutely not. That's giving up. Well, I, I see why she would say that. Um, because like, as far as she knows, there could be another idol out there or an advantage. Like there could be something, you know, something socially might happen. But I'm sure Jeff was like, I, I almost felt like he's like, I'm so tired. Like I've gone and visited Caleb on the mainland, like at the hospital. Like I've had to like deal with all this like paperwork and calling people yes. in America, like CBS executives <laughs> to tell them what happened and incident reports. And he's just like, I know there's no other advantages in the in the jungle. Like Alicia, you're going home. Like, please just just let it happen now. But no. Nope, she like, keeps no, she keeps going. We're going through the motions, Chef. We're doing it all. <laughs> and then they don't even show any like pre-tribal scramble. It is just straight into tribal council. And like the shortest tribal, the shortest one that you ever see. It it was. Uh, all I, I all I wrote down was Alicia was fun. It would have been great to see her back again. <laughs> so I wrote. It would suck to always be on the bottom. <laughs> Those were like my notes from Tribal Council. But she she made it through, uh, you know, to be so the quote unquote bottom. Like she made it further than Darnell, and she made it further than uh, Jennifer. So you know, had something broke her way, she would have made it to the the, the swap. I guess is coming next. Yep. So day eleven, right? That's any any last thoughts on on uh, Alicia? 
I, you know what? She, she proved to be better than I think anyone thought she was from being able to, to, to scrape together stuff. She like almost got an idol and she, she did what she could. So I, I think she deserves some kudos there for sure. Agreed. And I feel like this was almost 10 years ago, right? So I feel like when she was 23, like, not that they're saying they're going to bring people back from like old, older survivor, but she could be someone who could play again in her 30s and maybe has matured a bit and like would be good, right? Like, I think she had the potential. I think it was also like the circumstances and who she was put with just sort of limited where she could grow in the game. Something I wish Survivor did is I wish maybe like every like five or six seasons that they just do like uh, a second chance or like a returnee something, you know, like to see some of these people play again, especially who go have their infra, their season cut off a bit short. Uh, I would be here for it. And I think a lot of the fans would be here for it too. My last thought on Alicia, I think I, I, I wondered kind of throughout the, the four episodes, if she was originally supposed to be part of the beauties and like, she was like an alternate and then somehow like ended up on the bronze. And then, um, cause, but she, I, again, she held her own and, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it, it was good having her around and it must be a miserable time at the bronze after this. So I'm glad there's a tribe swap. Right. No, I, I'm, I'm, I think the story calls for a tribe swap for sure. And I'm kind of curious, like, like visually, you know, Sydney probably on the bottom, but I also kind of wonder, is that the, it's probably the case, but, but is that the case? And we will find out. I also just would not want to be like Sydney being this young 22 year old woman with these two. Like, I know that she's in a, aligned no, with them, no. but again, it just comes back to like, Oh, they just, that would not be a good dynamic for me. <laughs> Okay, well, that is uh, the episodes two, three, and four of Survivor Co Wrong. So, for those who are uh, just tuning in for that, uh, feel free to bounce out. But we're just going to quickly get John John M's experience playing in Survivor at Home season six. So, uh, so John, uh, tell us tell us how it went for you from your perspective. We were not on the same tribe. You two were on the same tribe, so you guys can, I guess trauma bond over that but please john tell us how did it go for you we were and you know what melinda and i very similar story <laughs> so yeah a lot of you heard it kind of kind of yesterday or in in the last episode they uh yeah yeah it was a lot of fun actually i think these four or like these three episodes that we just watched a, a lot of similarities where our tribe just kept losing like like the brawn and and when you lose the first uh immunity like you just don't have that time to bond and really connect and and make kind of different relationships than than before and then it just keeps happening and keeps happening so that was sort of how it went and you know, Melinda and I both made the merge, so that's good. Uh, my wife Megan always says that you know, to to still be dateable. Careful, careful. To still be dateable, you have to make the merge. So. Uh, wow, Megan. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, which you know, which I've managed to do in the in you know the three online and the one in person survivor that I've done. But I, yeah. So I, I think that was kind of how it was, and. And similarly to uh, Liz a little bit, or, 
or 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 Jennifer, either one, kind of were sort of knew that I was going to get out on the vote that I was going to get out, like by the time it happened, because you know too many people agreed with me, and and I just didn't have any tools to to work with. In previous seasons, I had idols and advantages uh, with Survivor at home to work with, but this one I didn't. And yeah, but you know what? Same with you guys. I loved actually being in the in the exile island it was fun to hang out and then occasionally have some challenges that andrew calls us exiles back to and and just to have a good time there so do you feel burned by anyone in particular can uh can you call anyone out actually like no not not this time like tell your your tribe had the numbers and the people from my tribe that, you know, I was hoping we could make something happen, but I think for their survival, they, they kind of switched and uh, we never quite fully solidified as a tribe. So it, it was how it was. So I, yeah. Well, one thing that we said, as you guys kept going back to tribal council after tribal council is whoever is remaining on this tribe, they're going to be so trauma bonded together that they're not going to flip and so of course i go out right before the merge and then i see because melinda goes out right after me and so it's either did you go after melinda on night two or yeah we, we were the one two three right after each other oh look at that yeah so it was either both of your votes or maybe but you guys can refresh my memory but one of the votes your tribe just was everywhere it was like i don't even know if one person voted together on your tribe whereas uh blue you guys are blues clues yeah we were reverb whereas reverb they all voted i guess melinda or, or you john but can you explain why that happened where your tribe just did not vote together for for those two votes are you talking post merge post merge so it was either you or melinda's vote where all of the blues clues people just did not vote together i think it was yeah i think it was melinda's vote and i think uh different people were trying to figure out what was going on and we we were behind on the numbers so at least from my side of things i was trying to see if we could pull even like one person over or like how we could get someone from from reverb to work with us uh and like is anybody on the outs but did not spend the time as a tribe kind of being like okay like let's vote together because we were we were low on numbers so everyone just kind of scrambled and because of things that went down in our tribal and like in our other votes, we didn't know who to trust. And, and that just, yeah, broke us apart, I think. Wild. And then you joined us over in a loser's lounge, Ponderosa. Honestly, such a good time. It it was great. And I loved it. And uh, (laughs) yeah, the, I I need that. That was what I needed at the time. It came at a good time and I was just able to, yeah, we were able to relax and just have fun, you know. And, and yeah, and that's and that's one thing that I that I agree with is that there were you, good like, vibes. It was it was good. I think Melinda, you you said this last time. You, we had like one earbud into like pay attention to the game, and then we're also kind of just you know just talking about whatever in in Ponderosa, which was which was also really fun too. So I I really enjoyed that part of it. You know, it's obviously fun to go deep in the game and um, experience all that, but ponderosa jury chat not the worst at times absolutely not well uh any last words john melinda thanks again for having me this is uh it's always a treat to to be on and two uh two really fun people to to do it with so i'm excited to listen to the rest of the 
a rest of the season with see how it goes always great to talk to you so thank you so much for joining us yeah that was really fun and it's always great to talk to you and i'm excited to see where this season goes because i've only watched i think the next episode so i'm only one more that i've watched so ooh, exciting well uh for john m for melinda and for myself uh signing off for episode two of survivor home coverage of korong bye